What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We had a massive week of superhero news that I'm really excited to talk about this week. Uh, we had major movie announcements, Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse 2, Ant-Man 3, official uh, release dates or at least release years for when we'll be seeing those movies came out uh, in reporting this past week. We also got some news about what Marvel's plans are going to be for the MCU moving forward and how many movies we'll be seeing every year from Marvel Studios. And DC also came with the heat this week with a lot of news, a brand new show that we weren't anticipating. Two really, well one show we were anticipating, but the other show we definitely were not anticipating. Both of them got announced this week and we have a major casting in uh, in uh, the, the Batman from Matt Reeves. So should be a fun show we'll have two show recaps this week we're doing uh watchmen again which uh, this was a major episode for watchmen definitely one you didn't want to miss and supergirl kendall did not watch supergirl this week so he won't be part of that conversation but me and shamari will recap supergirl to wrap the show so uh this should be a really good one joining me on my co-host starting with shamari stewart and i would be remiss sham not to mention the official star production for the falcon and winter soldier um, it was officially, uh, there was word that got out last week that they had started filming and then they had an official announcement on, uh, on their, uh, on the, in the Instagram pages and the marvel.com pages, uh, with, uh, with Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie and, and they're, uh, they're set to go. The show is indeed happening and, and it's moving forward. Um, yeah, so that is, uh, of course, fantastic news. I'm extremely excited for that TV show. I feel like that can be uh, one of the best things on DC+. Plus. Uh, I feel like it could be the best thing on Disney+, Plus in terms of Marvel content. It's the one I'm personally most, exciting for, most excited for in terms of things coming to uh, Disney+, Plus that are taking place in the MCU. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'm extremely excited for that. I think it's very good news. You know, they're both extremely talented actors who play those roles fantastically. So I'm very much looking forward to the start of that show. Um, and uh, of course, I'm looking forward to talking about the other topics you mentioned as well. And Kendall, this show is not only going to bring obviously Sebastian and, uh, and Anthony back into the fold, but we also get Daniel Brule back as Zemo and Emily Van Camp back as a, uh, as Sharon Carter. And we even have a U.S. agent who's going to be played by Wyatt Russell. So, um, this is going to be a pretty big undertaking for Marvel, and I think that while we are excited for Loki, this seems to be the the, the Disney Plus series that definitely seems to be piquing people's interest in regards to just how the possibilities that could happen with something like this, especially what we, what we saw from particularly the Captain America Winter Soldier movie and possibly bringing that element to television. Yeah, so, I mean... Um... I'm excited for uh, for Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, there's definitely been some rumors this week about uh, you know Chris Evans might be involved uh, with a cameo in yes, terms of him being that. you know the old Captain America, uh, the, the aged Captain America, or you know there's also been some rumors that we could be getting um, William Hurt back as as Thunderbolt Ross in this show as well. Uh, so the fact that these rumors are coming up. Uh, kind of, you know, in the last week or so, suggests that it has something to do with the fact that production is starting soon, uh, potentially. So, um, I mean, those would both be welcome, uh, welcome additions, if, even if it's just in a cameo uh, format for that show. Um, but, but you know, 
like you said, we're getting not only Falcon Winter Soldier, but U.S. Agent. We're getting Baron Zemo, so Daniel Brühl back. So, I mean, I'm excited. You know, I believe we're, and we're getting uh, Agent 13 as well, right? You know, Sharon Carter. So Yes. Yep. Yeah, so so this should be... Um, this. Should, I mean, this. I would say this is the Disney Plus series I'm most... The Disney Plus Marvel series I'm most excited for. At least beyond the ones that are new. You know, I obviously miss Marvel She-Hulk. She-Hulk probably is the one I'm most excited for. But in terms of the ones that were initially announced at Comic-Con, I would say Winter Soldier and Falcon. Falcon Winter Soldier is the one I'm most excited for. And what's interesting, Sham, uh, quickly on... But we have a YouTube video about that. Yes, we do. (laughs) Um, Who cares what I say? That is fair. Uh, yeah, so at the end of the day, it's about what the people care about, and you should go to our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, to see what the people think. But uh, I think another uh, one last thing about this, I think an interesting X factor in this, um, and really it's, it'd be probably, uh, I won't say dismissive, but probably uh, giving short credit to um, to this person in terms of their role in this whole project is going to be the showrunner, Kyrie uh, Skolglan, who she has worked on The Punisher, so Punisher episode four season one, if you I don't remember what that episode was, but she was she uh, directed that episode. She directed uh, two episodes in The Walking Dead. She's worked on Boardwalk Empire, and she's worked on House of Cards. So she's got a pretty expansive um, kind of rap sheet, so to speak, Sham. So I'm wondering now that she gets her, I believe it's going to be her first run at at running a full show, how that's going to play out. Yeah, yeah, there definitely should be very interesting. Um, yeah, so, um, of course, we know the Punisher season one was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so we know she did a good job uh, with regards to that show. And, um, I mean, those other shows I enjoy as well. House of Cards is a very good show, very well done. Um, so I th- I think this should be, this should be, um, um, this would be a good test, I guess, to see how she can run an entire uh, show in terms of in terms of kind of leading the ship and that she is in, in charge of this whole project, um, basically. Uh, I mean, she's still kind of sort of under Feige, but Feige's he's spread so thin at this point. Um, I feel like this is <laughs> I feel like sure. this is basically her her uh, show. So that's very exciting. Um, and hopefully she does a good job. I mean, um, uh, based on the other content that she's done, I've liked what she's done. Um, in the other other episodes that she's done, so um, it should be uh, interesting to see. So the the biggest news we had this uh, this past week, I think, though, it's hard to really pick what was the biggest news because there was a lot of uh, a big news this week. But uh, one of the biggest news was the official release date announcement for Spider Man Into the Spider Verse sequel. So, um, which right now I believe is is, is I think we're right now going with Spider into the Spider Verse two. Though I'm not sure if that's actually going to end up being the title. But Sony announced official release date of April eighth, twenty twenty two. Obviously, this is, brings a lot of excitement for a lot of fans, considering everything this movie uh, brought to the table and just the kind of just how it just kind of took everybody by storm and, and just. It became so much of the talk in Hollywood, just how fabulous this movie was, and you're really uh, just in society um, as a whole. Everyone really enjoyed it. it. Got a lot of great buzz. Obviously, won an Oscar for best animated feature, and I'm really excited. I'm a little surprised, honestly. This movie is coming out so quickly 
because the animation, even though animated movies are typically pretty easy, this the animation in this was so complex. I mean, they must have really sat down and got to writing on a sequel really quickly, because to me, this is a movie that you gotta have to start on at the beginning of this next year to make sure you get to this April twenty twenty two release date. I would think, or at least maybe you want to get the story down. I mean, you get the the production down probably in the middle of next year at the at the latest. So, but uh, I'm excited, man. Uh, we already know that they they peaked. Uh, they kind of. Um, they kind of uh, hinted at you know Spider Man twenty ninety nine being a, a part in this movie with the uh, after credit scene that we saw. But what did you guys uh, make that we officially have a Into the Spider Verse sequel uh, release date, and that is April uh, April eighth, not the uh, what was it the winter date they had last time? Yep, they're moving they're moving closer to the big boys with a, a near summer release. I'm just again I'm extremely extremely excited. Uh, I do feel like this team, the team of animators I had working on the first film, uh, did a very good job in a uh, uh, in a relatively short amount of time. I don't know how long it took for them to develop the story, um, but I know, like I said, when we watched that Comic Con footage, that was in October, and the movie came out in December, and it, that was very much unfinished. It was yeah, very clear parts of that that were very much very unfinished that they would would have to animate over again. Uh, and they did it, and it looked wonderful. Uh, the final product didn't... I didn't see any blips or anything where I'm like, oh, that that was kind of... Uh. But no, it was completely done, finished. Um, so, you know, I have... I definitely have faith that they would... Uh, that they'll be able to do the same thing uh, with this next one. But uh, I think at this point, my only question is, you know, do we get uh, the same uh, people that worked on the, fir- on the first one? Do we get the same... Uh, director, same producers, because um, I want I <laughs> I want the same quality of work. Um, so hopefully, uh, we do get the same people that did the first movie uh, to come back uh, to go ahead and do the sequel. But uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. And just how much of a sequel is this, or is this like a Spider Gwen, or is this some kind of spinoff? Mm-hmm. You know. So I don't know. I feel like all that remains to be seen. Uh, I, 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 it would shock me, Kendall. This was not a true sequel based on just the popularity that it had, and really, kind of the the way they promoted this uh, teaser trailer, or whatever, with using right. Miles's logo. And then they kind of mixed in different colors and other logos, and Gwen's logos in there for a half second. So, I think this will be a true, uh, a, a true sequel. And, and you know, do you feel like the to me, Kendall, I don't think they could move forward with this movie if it's not Phil Lord and Christopher Miller producing. You know, if oh, yeah, it's Lord and Miller. I mean, and Lord and Miller are Sony's guides at this point. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, what are they not doing anything Disney? I mean, after the the the, the solo debacle. So, um, obviously, you know, Sony has a lot invested in Lord and Miller, and you know, they've built a brand and a property with the Spider-Verse universe and not to take credit away from the directors who also obviously did a great job, but, um, you know, and I'm sure they'll be back as well, but that entire crew with, um, with Spider-Verse did such an excellent job in the first one. And I think when, when we talk about this sequel one, I, I think the release date, it feels probably like not that long from now, but we, I think we have to understand that like they probably, they've been, they've probably got to work on this movie 
right when the other one ended. Like maybe not like I think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah more I mean, than likely. You know, they probably have a script already ready. You know, now it's just about getting the animation done um, and getting the cast together and things of that nature. Um, I, it, what's going to be interesting to see is that we see a lot of times in Hollywood, especially, you'll see like a, a movie or a TV show starts out with, you know, very little fanfare. And, you know, the studio will give them a, a, a minuscule budget or they'll give them a, a workable budget, but nothing ridiculous. If it blows up, you tend to see in the second season, the third season or the the sequel, the, the third movie, like the budget gets massively bigger because now the studio sees this is a cash cow. Let's put more of our eggs into this basket and they get more resources. You know, it's like. Like for people that watch the the, I'm sure it's happened in TV and, and movies a lot, but for people that watch the show Ballers, mm. first couple of seasons, it, it only takes place in Miami. By the time they realize, oh, we have something good on our hands, like people actually watch the show, they started going to LA and stuff. You know, like there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of shows and movies where you know, like the Guardians movie, um, they were able to do more stuff in the sequel. You know, because the Guardians were a bigger property at that point. So, yeah. you know, I think uh, I think I I, I want to see how they utilize the resources that they'll probably now have, you know, an expanded amount of um, what that means for the story and what that means for the the the, the Spider Verse property. We'll see, but um, you know, there's rumor that we might be getting Jessica Drew, uh, Spider Woman in this movie. You know, you mentioned Spider Man. 2099 you know there i mean could we be getting a you know an auto octavia spider-man there's a lot of a lot of characters they still haven't utilized plus obviously we don't know what the villain is uh the villain is movie's gonna be so i don't know there's a lot there's a lot to process with a spider-verse sequel a lot of different ways they can go um i expect though that they will go bigger in terms of don't be surprised we get toby mcguire ej mentioned before we don't be surprised we get a tom holland appearance like you know, like these are things that are not out of the realm of possibility. They were a little less likely for the first one because it was such an unproven property. But now that this is an established universe, an established uh, brand, big name people, big name actors are gonna we are gonna want to be attached to this movie. And and um, uh, not only that, I feel like if this movie is an even bigger success, they get even more um, uh, kind of. Uh... Uh, they can even more differentiate themselves from Disney Spider-Man. I mean, if, if I mean, if they again, if they're so, if they're still disgruntled with their deal, um, though you could argue a lot of that negotiate, a lot of that stuff was a negotiating ploy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, if they're really serious about wanting Spider-Man for themselves, you know, if this second one blows up even bigger than the first one, they may have something serious on their hands, where they're like, listen, uh, we can do, we're doing Spider-Man well, mm-hmm. on our own. You know, so you can you can make that case as well. I think one of the things that I can't help but be concerned about is the, you know, the dreaded sequel curse that comes with animated movies. And I feel like they typically come with animated movies that come around very quickly after the first one. They end up being the first movies that with a lot of these animated films are organic. They're true original stories that are just. You know that took time that were massaged and when they were put to, they were put to the screen they were masterpieces 
But, you know, me and Shamari especially can speak to an era of Disney movies where they tried to go to quick sequels and they just were disasters. Complete, utter disasters. Lion King 2, disaster. Little Man Ray 2, disaster. I mean, there are disaster after disaster after disaster story. Um, and there are recent Disney movies where they've done similar things as well, and they've been disasters because those movies... You're not a big fan of Aladdin 2? Oh, my God. Aladdin 2 <laughs> is hot garbage. Like, like, and there are a lot Aladdin of... Aladdin 2, hot... Pocahontas 2. All of, them, all of them sequels were awful. There was a, a stretch yeah. where they just weren't even trying to make good story. They just were looking for the cash grab. Now, I'm not saying that that's what Sony is doing, but I think my, my, only, my only concern is if we saw how long it took to get the Miles Morales Spider-Man onto the big screen. And, like, the story that they put together clearly was done with true heart and true and in a true meticulous manner. We all agreed that to get this movie done, finished, animated, and, and ready for the masses by April 2022, that means they have to mobilize, like, pretty much right now. I do have a little bit of concern about what this story is going to look like. Because I think that... I don't know if that first movie was written in a way in which they knew exactly where the sequel was going. I don't know because I feel like this project was too much of a risk and too much of a gamble for anyone to think that they were going to have a job again in, in three years. Like, they all knew it was going... They had, they were taking a massive... You know, pardon, pardon the, the pun here, but the, the leap of faith, which is obviously the the major theme of that movie, but this whole project was a leap of faith. Um, it's a leap of faith that I think we, on the show, talked about was something that they should do because we knew that superheroes were hot and animated movies are hot, so why, it, made, it didn't make sense that they wouldn't try this, any of these studios, Marvel and DC included, but I, I can't help be a little concerned about the fact that they're just throwing out there another sequel. Like I, I felt comfort in the fact that Incredibles 2 did take so long. I knew that they weren't just rushing uh, another one out there with you know a lame story. I felt comfort in knowing that Toy Story three took a long time. Um, like there was comfort in knowing that the, they they made sure to get this story right to get everybody together on the same page. So when those projects went out, they went out and they were as great as they were. Um, that doesn't mean it can't be great. Toy Story two came out really quick after Toy Story one, and it was phenomenal. I love Toy Story three. And there's a lot of stories about like that where the sequel came out and it was also great but um you know shrek 2 yeah also, i was gonna say shrek another, 2. another yeah. great example of a movie that they came out with immediately that i don't also don't, i don't think that you could have absolutely had an idea for a sequel for but they just they had they were in a creative groove and it didn't matter and look with the way and we mentioned lord miller but i would remiss not to mention peter ramsey uh rodney rothman and, and bob prosciutti who directed the movie I mean, these guys clearly are in, they're, they're in the creative groove with what they put together. So I don't want to short these guys of their creative brilliance. But it's just something to think about when you're considering that this story pretty much has to be done by now. And I, I hope that they had a big kind of idea of what they wanted to do moving forward before they realized that all the money, all the accolades, and all the attention were going to be on them to make a sequel. Um, on this year? Yep. Um, I guess just a quick last thoughts. I mean, if Lord and Miller are still attached to this movie, um, I'm in. Sure. <laughs> you, know, you know, to put it simply. Because um, I, I could just, I guess, tell their fingerprints were all over it, you know, having seen um, uh, the Lego movie, which I thought mm-hmm. they did wonderfully. Absolutely. Um, 
so and that's another um animated uh, you know animated uh take um on a modern or somewhat modern property mm-hmm. and it was completely successful and and you could tell i remember when we were at that panel you could tell they were very passionate about this mm-hmm. project um so i expect them to bring the same passion to the sequel as well Moving, staying with uh, Marvel, but away from Sony, we got another big announcement for 2022. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter uh, got word that Ant-Man 3 will be coming to theaters in that same year. And it will be rest, uh, be directed by uh, Peyton Reed, who did Ant-Man 1 and Ant-Man and the Wasp. So that would mean that he would be uh, the third Marvel it's kind of weird because John Watts is a Sony Spider-Man movie, but let's just say he's the third uh, Marvel director to do a trilogy. So you have James Gunn, who's doing Guardians, John Watts, who's doing Spider-Man, which is in conjunction with Sony, obviously. But uh, And then Peyton Reed now is getting the third Ant-Man movie. So. Did they confirm that John Watts is doing the third one? Yeah, uh, I believe they did. I'm, I'm almost positive. I, be, I, every, yeah, I believe they did as well. Yeah, everyone's, every reporting I've seen has been saying yeah. that he's the third because of John Watts as well yeah. as James uh, Gunn. Didn't he, I mean, isn't it like in his contract or something? Isn't he like contractually like it might signed be, on? To he, might, he might be. Um, right. Yeah, I'm almost sure that he's definitely doing the next Spider-Man movie. So those would be the three only and only three to do trilogy, which is pretty remarkable. And that's a great accomplishment for Peyton Reed. Um, this is funny because, you know, Paul Rudd, you never know, Paul Rudd is such an interesting character. You never know with him to me almost like what's real and what's not. Because we talked about it on the show. He sounded very worried about if Ant-Man had a future in the MCU, if there was going to be a movie moving forward with Ant-Man. And he didn't sound like someone who was confident that that would happen. So I'm a little surprised to hear that Ant-Man Three, Ant-Man 3 is indeed happening in 2022. Now, we also know that Feige and Marvel have to keep things very close to the vest. And I think of the, you know, if there's like, we're putting Holland and um, and uh, uh, Ruffalo at the top in terms of the people that are most likely to spoil huge things at Marvel in that chart. And we're putting maybe like, you know, Robert Downey and like, uh, you know, maybe like Scarlett Johansson is very low on the t- on the poll in terms of who would never spoil anything. I feel like Rudd is near the top. I feel like he's probably right below Holland <laughs> and Ruffalo. So it could be that Feige and them purposely wanted to kind of keep him more in the dark because they didn't want him saying anything that could uh, could compromise him in any way. But yeah, I think this was this was not something I expected because he just sounded like this movie was unlikely to happen. And he said we needed a big campaign. Uh, the fans need to make a big campaign for Ant Man three to happen, and that didn't happen. There was no campaign for Ant Man three, so uh, I don't know what where he was coming from, or if he was just trolling us. Because again, he's part of right; he's a funny guy, and that wouldn't surprise me either. But nonetheless, what do you guys think about the fact that we will be having a third Ant Man movie? I'll give it to Kendall first this time. Uh, look at us! Look at us! Who would have thought? <laughs> Not me! Not me! <laughs> That's a that is that is Kendall the perfect response to, yeah. to this yeah it really is I, I i nobody was talking about an ant-man 3 it's funny because like i don't think anybody is mad that we're getting the ant-man 3 it's i think everyone's kind of you know i, think, I feel like the unanimous crowd reaction is you know oh cool Ant-Man. you know like it's not like 
yes, we got Ant Man three. It's not you know, dang, like we get Ant Man before X Men. It's 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 surprising. Um, like you said, there was no real buzz. There was no real crowd uh, fever about like one in Ant Man three. But I think it makes sense. Like the first two were good. Um, I guess my question, because me and Shamari talked about this before we did Imperial Broadcast uh, last night, which you guys should listen to, obviously. Um, but we talked about, do we think that, like, this, like, because Marvel doesn't do movies for no reason. Nope. Like, I can't think of the last time they did a, a movie, and I was like, this really doesn't connect to anything. Or, like, well, why did this, this come out? Yeah, well, like, why did this come out? Like, they always... There's always a perfect like honestly, Ant Man and the Wasp is probably one of the few that has very little connection to the other movies. But it almost, the, the Ant Man and the Wasp on, the only the, the only way you could say it connects is that it, it was kind of the red herring for Endgame because we thought right. Ant Man maybe saved the day or maybe Ant Man and his thing with the quantum realm is the answer and it kind of is to some degree. Right. Uh, so, like, there is there is a connection to Endgame. It's not yeah, as large yeah, as maybe right. we thought, which is why I say it's almost kind of like a red herring. Yeah, so, like, typically, like, you know, Gar- Guardians, obviously, is a direct connection to Thanos. If you didn't know what Guardians was going to be about, uh, or if you didn't really care, well, you had to watch it, and you had to understand it because Thanos was going to be involved, and obviously we know what his impact was and has been like they don't do these movies for no reason so I, it's going to be interesting to see and, and obviously Captain Marvel has has had her impact and had her connection with S.H.I.E.L.D. and the MCU and things of that nature but I feel like there is something about this movie that I don't know what it is you know it, I mentioned to Shamari is there a chance of Fantastic Four in this movie uh, before they're in their own movie um, I don't know but I, I just feel like this is going to introduce a certain character, a certain concept in the MCU that we hadn't seen beforehand. Uh, so why else would you do an Ant Man three? Um, I don't want to to just move this to Sham. I don't want to like you know make this conversation all about Fantastic Four. But I think that's kind of the point where I'm about to say this. I think that putting the Fantastic Four in Ant Man in any way would be a horrible decision. Because I think that those characters so far greatly outweigh, in terms of interest, anything that would happen in Ant Man, that it would just it would it wouldn't be an Ant Man movie to me. And I don't care if they went in for five minutes. I think that it would make more sense for them to be put up with a main a, a main event character. Now you could argue maybe putting them with Ant Man could help boost Ant Man. It's almost like in wrestling when you put a main event star with like an up and comer, and that up and comer then gets a bump because he was wrestling with that main event star, even though ironically the Fantastic Four have almost never done as well as Ant-Man in the movies, in the theaters, which is kind of crazy. But they would absolutely be kind of the main event star that you'd be using to help. Like, I think that the Fantastic Four would make more sense with a Spider-Man or with a Black Panther, you know, uh, or even a Captain Marvel with the way you're, you're trying to do the intergalactic stuff. Because then you got your true main event feel and it's a, a real, true coronation for introducing characters. I feel like with Ant-Man, it's almost like you're trying to give people excuses to actually go see the movie. Because Ant-Man is going to be the movie that's probably the hardest to draw. 
Yeah. Um, so I agree with you. I don't think Fantastic Four are going to be in Ant-Man uh, 3. Um, I believe I said this again before as well. Basically for the same reason. You know, I feel like they're too big. Uh, point, no pun intended again for um, to be put into Ant-Man 3. You know, so... Um, uh, but I, either way, I'm, again, very excited for Ant-Man 3. I... I, uh, I did think it was kind of... Um, odd i guess you could say with the whole thing with oh we need a campaign for ant-man and mm-hmm. you know save ant-man and all this stuff i was like why are they getting in the beginning i was kind of like why are they getting rid of ant-man you know i i don't really understand why there's been no ill will there's no no uh no kind of negative attitudes towards the character uh to start with but i don't know I mean, but i was like oh okay i guess they're, maybe they're getting rid of ant-man and then we get an announcement for the third one i'm like oh okay so yeah i i see this as being natural I think it's very good news. I like Paul Rudd. I think he's fantastic in the character. Um, I like um, Evangeline uh, Lilly as well. I think she's great as Wasp. And, you know, I, I agree with Kendall as well. I think they're going to introduce someone or something in this third movie. Um, I don't think the movie would be pointless otherwise, but I just feel like that's something that they they tend to do with these uh, movies, especially with the sequel movies. Or you, they try to add some kind of additional element to the overall universe uh just because that's what the mcu does so um so yeah i agree with that um, but, yeah like thor thor the dark world is also one that kind of i mean they did have the thing with the the ether, the ether you know yeah. but that one also kind of like man i need to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's kind of interesting because i was that's exactly where i was going to go with my last point on this is you know obviously with trilogies there's a, a reoccurring theme and a full three-part story that you're trying to tell and they're giving Reed that 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 rope to give him a three-part story to f- complete we have a beginning middle and we're gonna have assumingly somewhat of an end uh, assuming there's not Ant-Man 4 and 5 coming out I'm wondering what that would be because the first movie is kind of really about this guy who is um, really in down in the dumps um, in, in a bad position and how he uh, you know gets this suit to that somewhat moves him towards legitimacy, even though he's obviously a criminal or whatever. And then we get to the second movie where he's kind of back at square one to some degree, but he is doing better. And he do see that sense of maturity because he's able to kind of, you know, be on, you know, house harass and, and, but he's doing the right thing. And, but he also is pulled to now, instead of doing crime, actually do good, which is also now also part of the issue with him. And at the end of the day, he is kind of fully redeemed. And then if you move that into Endgame, he's absolutely fully redeemed by, you know, him helping save the world by fighting Thanos and all his goons. Like, what is your third movie? What is what is that story entailing? Because he's, kind of, he's the hero. He's no longer, a, you know, a criminal, whether it be because of what he did in the past or what he did helping Captain America. Um, or is the story really centered around him? Like, to me, I almost wonder if the story gets centered more around uh, an issue involving Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne now that they are reunited is there something from their past that kind of comes into play and we kind of wrapping their story because uh, you know I'm not I'm not 100% sure where the, the next step is for uh, the, the the character of Scott Lang I think that his daughter being older maybe that's maybe that's where it is maybe that's where it yeah. is it moves to I, his I daughter was... being that that sidekick that he always that he said he needed that right now is Evangeline Lilly's character uh, but maybe it's hope, but right now maybe that goes into being his daughter. 
Say I wouldn't be surprised. Title is Ant Man, the Wasp, and Stature, as opposed to just Ant Man, the Wasp. Like if they, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, wordy title. Yes, yeah, a really wordy title. With uh, Birds of Prey, you know, some companies don't really <laughs> care about whether the title is a little too wordy, but wouldn't surprise me if that if they work that into there, or if they just go with Ant Man and Stature. Mm. They, they wipe out the Wasp, not wipe out, but wipe her out of the title. Yeah, and I mean, there's, ways you could, there's ways you can do that. Maybe Wasp is now an Avenger, and maybe like you know, Lang for whatever reason decides Avengers aren't his thing, and maybe he's working with his daughter. There's other, there's options. What are you gonna say, Chan? Um, no, yeah, I was just gonna give more examples. I mean, there's Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. I mean, there's other <laughs> right. movies with kind of lengthy titles. Any of the Lord of the Rings movies and the Harry Potter movies, you know, they've all got lengthy titles. Um, I mean, I know that's not necessarily a Marvel thing, but it is something that, you know, that some of these movies do. Um, I mean, Shang-Chi I, is a long title. They yeah. seem to be going more towards that, between Shang-Chi and Doctor Strange. Yep. But those are two yeah. longer titles, which is not something Marvel has typically done, but they seem to be moving more in that direction. Yeah. I think a lot of the, their stories now aren't just, you know, introductory stories, not just Iron Man, Captain America, you know, Thor. You know, they're going more straight to just, the, the hints of what the story is, and I think that I think that this third movie is also going to tie into some other aspect of the MCU in like a major way, and the, similar to how Thor Thor three was with Ragnarok and with Hulk basically being a main character in the movie. Mm. I feel like something similar is going to happen with Ant Man because I agree with you, EJ. I feel like it, I don't really know where his story goes from here, but I feel like something else is going to happen. That's gonna be oh yeah, this is where this story is going. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think that's where we're going in the future. One thing I can hope for is one thing I really, really, really enjoyed about uh, Ant Man and the Wasp was the idea that the mentor character got a true, like, feel good moment that that didn't then immediately coincide with them like being killed. So like the fact that Hank Pym really got to see his wife again and Janet came back into the fold and they both helped save the day at the end there was no death obviously they do disappear at the very very end but that we know they came back like I, I do hope they don't erase that away like i kind of like the idea that sometimes yes these people who risk their lives and put their lives on the line and do amazing things that they do get a happy ending i hope that it's you know especially the mentor person because the mentor figure the father figure the mother figure like all of these superheroes always seem to have to really be tormented and have someone killed and that's part of their story like i kind of hope that pim and janet get to kind of ride off in the sunset and there isn't some other shoe to drop because now they're finally together. But with movie tropes, that tends to not always be the case, but I do hope that's not the case this time. Um, moving on, though, uh, just staying with Marvel real quickly, I thought there was an interesting article from The Hollywood Reporter in which uh, even though, obviously, we see the Disney Plus uh, you know, stuff come into the fold, it doesn't mean that Marvel is in any way slowing down their production when it comes to movies. In fact, according to uh, The Hollywood Reporter, um, they're ramping it up. Apparently, uh, Alan Horn told The uh, Hollywood Reporter that they're working to try to do three or four Marvel movies every year. Um, that's a lot. I mean, we only have two for next year. And we know that there are, you know, obviously once we get past next year, the phase, the next phase of movies, you know, it's, in the, it's obviously all in phase four, but the next two years or a year or so movies are really kind of come out in succession. Uh, I was 
I was really surprised by this. And I'm kind of torn on whether or not four Marvel movies in any year is ever going to be needed. Um, I'm also torn about whether or not that's possible, considering they also are doing these television shows. So before I go into, I guess, how I feel, I kind of need to be convinced one way or the other how I think about this. Because I'm still not sure. So what do you think, Sham? Is four Marvel movies too much in one year? Uh, uh, boy, that that definitely is a good question. I mean, I know we had um, three this year. Two, uh, I know we had, um, uh, I believe we had Ant-Man and the Wasp. And we had Endgame, of course. And we had the Spider-Man. Um, even though that's also a Sony movie. Sony movie. But This felt light. This felt like a light year. It felt like a light year. There's nothing after Spider-Man. Because there's nothing after Spider-Man. Now it's in the summer. Um, so I, you know... Um, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of, of uh, I'm, I'm kind of hungering for some more Marvel, you know. So maybe they maybe they're they're realizing that. Maybe they're feeling that too. Maybe they're like, look, we can do more than this. You know, we have so many talented directors and talented creators and actors and actresses. When did uh, Captain Marvel come out? Uh, Captain Marvel. That's oh, a good question. Uh, Captain Marvel came out in the spring. Yeah, that was this year also. No, so we got four this year. Yeah, we did, got, did we get four? Yeah, we got yeah. So we got four this year, and th- those were that was all basically in the first half of the year. So that is pretty. Um, I don't really, I don't really count Spider Man though, even though I know it's the it's it's a part of the storyline. Like it's 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 still Sony. It's Sony's money. Yeah, it's Sony's money, but it's still Marvel's time. Yeah, you know, just in terms of just looking at, you know, By them way, being uh, able Ant-Man to do. So, oh, Ant-Man was last year? Oh, Ant-Man was last year? I, I thought, oh, yeah, okay. I was wondering. I was like, hey, man. I was like, that come out in, like, February? Like, when that come out? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I just knew it. I knew it was post-Infinity War. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was last year. So, okay, so we got three this year. But even then, it still feels like a light-ish year. Um, so, of course, last year we had Black Panther, Infinity War, and then Ant-Man and the Wasp. So... So, yeah, I mean, I, I know, you know, they've been doing three these past couple of years and it hasn't felt oversaturated. I know Scorsese and others may feel differently, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it hasn't felt like I haven't felt like, yo, this Mar- every time I blink, there's another Marvel movie. I actually feel like especially this year, they could probably do another one. So I am not too I'm not really worried at all about it. I'm not, um, you know, I don't really think about superhero fatigue or. Or, or them overstretching themselves. I think maybe Feige specifically himself possibly being overstretched. Um, though I don't. Hopefully he'll hire some more people to work under him. But, uh, but yeah, in terms of the whether they can do this successfully, I think they can. I absolutely think they can. I think they have the, the, I think they have the manpower. They turns definitely got the money, and they have the talent. You know, but it, it is going to be a lot now, especially with the streaming service, because a lot of these actors are going to be doing the streaming service, doing shows for the streaming service, as well as movies. So I don't know how they're going to be balancing that, but that's why, you know, Kevin Feige is getting paid what he's getting paid now. So <laughs> I think I think one um, I think one yeah. of the ways, Kendall, that this will make this will seem reasonable in terms of if you're arguing on that side is well, they just just acquired a whole corner of the Marvel Universe that they didn't have. Everything that involves anything linked to the Fantastic Four or anything that was linked to X-Men now is in their grasp. So those movies are going to come out. They're going to be movies 
There'll probably be obviously be X Men Fantastic Four movies. They could, but there could be spinoff movies as well. There could be Silver Surfer movies. There could be, um, you Wolverine. know, movies involving Wolverine. Yeah, I was going to say there's a solo movie with Wolverine potentially that could be done. So they're obviously when you add those movies onto what they already have, and we've seen that they've like just that, look at this year. Like we had Dark Phoenix. Like Dark Phoenix would be. I mean, it was a Disney movie technically, but like Dark Phoenix would be an extra Marvel movie. You know, like. Deadpool came out with this, well, the 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 second Deadpool or the whatever you want to call it the Christmas the, version the kid, of Deadpool the kid, came the out. Kidified Deadpool. Yeah, the Kidified Deadpool that that came out in December. Um, um yeah. Or that came out this year. I don't remember. I think it was but, December. Yeah, I think it was December. But like, that's another one that would almost basically be a 2019 movie. Like, you know, the, like those movies would be are going to be Marvel Studios movies going forward in the future. That's true. Um, you know, so what the the issue is that Kevin Feige, in theory, is going to be over doing all of those movies, and can he do all those movies and them still be as high quality? You know, like can he have the same hands-on approach that he's had in the past without, like you said, burnout? <laughs> you know, coming into play because, um, and and if he does give more autonomy and more control to the creators. Will we see a dip in Marvel's quality? And maybe, know, because... and, and maybe he will give more of it away because you know, look, we just said Peyton Reed is on his third movie. Um, uh, James Gunn's on his third movie. We have Ryan Coogler who's on his second movie. Uh, John Watts is on his third movie. Like there are going to be a lot of guys now who they know the game. It's like you know when you're a head coach and you know you have your team and. You know, your offensive coordinator has been, you know, yes, you've been calling the plays for a lot of years, but the last three, four years, your offensive coordinator has been calling the plays. You're not going to be in every, uh, you know, in the quarterback's room meeting. You know, you're not going to be in every uh, running back's room meeting. Or when you have a rookie offensive coordinator, you have to be a little more hands-on. Yeah, so maybe when he, you have an offensive coordinator that's been with you for 10 years, you can let him run the offense. Yeah, so yeah. he may look at it and say, okay, those other people are fine. Like, we'll talk about like, what the gun, stories are. Gun but knows what he's doing, you know. And those guys, it's like those stories now are in their DNA. I mean, for Peyton Reed, Ant-Man is in his DNA. For James Gunn, Guardians is in his DNA. For Coogler, Black Panther is in his DNA. For Watts, Spider-Man is in their DNA. You don't need to babysit those guys anymore. So he may feel like, look, I got these I got these guys. They're doing fine. And I'm adding these new people, whether it be the people that I have doing. You know, Taika Waititi will be doing the second Thor. He's going to be fine. Okay, I may have to, you know, and and we have a second. The guy who did uh, uh Doctor Strange is is Derrickson. Derrickson is back. Yeah, again. Scott Derrickson. So yep. he's gonna be fine. But I, okay, the person doing Shang Chi. Let me make sure we're on the same page. The next person that does uh the, whatever other movies that may be coming out, the mutant movies or the Fantastic Four movies. Blade. Let me, Blade. Let me make sure that those people we have that we are all on the same page. It may be him stepping back purely because he just has now a roster of directors and a roster right. of producers that. I clearly know what the game plan is. You don't need to babysit those people anymore. Right. And he can focus more of his attention not only on those other new movies, but also on the Disney Plus stuff. For sure. Because that's, that's new territory uh, for him as well. Because he was never in charge of the TV stuff. For sure. Um, so that's going to be new for him. He's going to be dealing with all these different showrunners and directors for each of these episodes. So he has to make sure that all of those um, are going according to plan as well. Um, and of course, and not only the shows that we know are coming out, but there's also the new shows that were announced 
and that's on top of everything else is probably on Feige's whiteboard right now. Sure. Uh, that may been, have been um, confirmed by them, but not announced yet. So, I mean, there's so much. There's still, either way, however you look at it, there's so much on this guy's plate. Three to, I mean, I'm trying to think, though. Like, they do, what do you say, three to four movies a year or four to five? He said three, three to four. four. Three to four, according to Alan, Alan Horn. Alan Horn is saying three to four. I mean, they but did four. Alan Horn saying you do three to four. You're doing three to four. He's yeah, a boss. Yeah, he, yeah he, the only other that's guy that has that kind of say is Spike, is, uh, is, uh, is Iger, so. Especially with Iger on the way out. He's exactly. Alan Horn, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> very soon. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, the one thing I look at, though, is that, like, mathematically, I mean, how many, like, how, like, I, like they are getting those X-Men characters, those Fantastic Four characters, and the Fox characters in general, but, like, that's still a lot of, still a lot of movies. I know, that's why I said, I, I, I wonder how feasible it is. Or, 25, like, they can be running out of, they can be running out of characters, and, like, I can't envision myself really being like I don't want to see another one of these things, but like that that like for Star Wars they're talking about like we won't see another Star uh, me and Shamari talk about Imperial like they're really there's like no Star Wars movies on the slate right now now that Benioff and Weiser are out you know they're all besides Kevin Feige's one Star Wars movie that he's doing and that's something else to consider is you know he also has a Star Wars movie on his plate but like there are no Star Wars movies that we know of. Um on the other hand, you have Marvel making four. They're making four Marvel movies a year. <laughs> Bob Iger said, "Yeah, you know, less is more with Star Wars, and the Star Wars movies are special. But with Marvel, it's we've got to turn them out complete, like it's complete opposite. Complete opposite. So, like, take let's just take twenty twenty one for example, real quickly. So, Shang Chi comes out in twenty twenty in uh, February. Then we have Doctor Strange in May, and then we have Thor in November. So that's uh, that's like pretty much the first year where they're going to be implementing this three to four year. And in between there, we're going to have TV shows. You got Hawkeye, uh, we hope, assuming you know, everything's still fine with uh, Homeboy. Um, and we have What If and we have Loki. I mean, do you got and, and Vision, WandaVision also supposed to be in that same year. I mean, does that feel doable and enough or do, I mean, to me, too much? That's, that's going to be a typical year, according to Alan Horn, going forward. Three movies, and then there's going to be TV stuff, and there might be some movies where here's where it's four. Like uh, just looking at it quickly, that just seems like a lot of movies. Like I can't see how you fit another movie in there. You got a movie in February, and then a movie in May, and a movie in November. I mean, that's like what the February to May. That's only a couple of months apart. That's what three months apart. And the May to November is a is a long one. So basically, the only way you could really fit a fourth one is if you're putting one at the end of the summer. I'm all for it. I'm gonna watch every one of these joints, but that's a lot of movies. I'm not gonna. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm keeping it 100. And yeah. Look, Daniel RPK, who has a good feel for this, has a good feel for the for for Marvel Studios and Disney as a company. Um, he he put out. He said his best guess. Uh, for 2022 is that we'll get in February a Deadpool movie. Uh, in May we get D- Black Panther 2. In July we get Ant-Man 3. And then November we'll get something else. He assumes it'll be Fantastic Four. I, just, I don't know. I, I told Shamari yesterday, I was like, 
Deadpool. Like we haven't that's, heard anything that's, about that. That's an interesting point, and it wasn't something that was scheduled for our show. But I'll ask you guys quickly: Is Deadpool the right character to start in terms of introducing your Fox characters? Is that the right place to go? Because that it, there's been multiple reporting that seems to be hinting that that's gonna happen. It it's it's very easy to do. Like because he's not a, because like you can just throw, you already have the, the the actor more like more or less, you can throw him out there and like because he's a, like his character is so like, bizarre anyway like, you can make jokes about, you can make so many jokes and it doesn't matter what universe he's in like there are a lot of things they can do whereas like with the X Men Fantastic Four you have to like, actually explain what's happening. The only reason yeah. why I pause in my. Uh, assertion that that would be the right move, Sham, is the last two movies, the the X-Men were very prevalent in the background of it. Like, they weren't in the forefront, but the X-Men theme behind the movies were obvious. And obviously, Fox perhaps had no choice given that's the playground they're allowed to play in, the sandbox they're allowed to play in. But it just seems like, to me, how could you touch anything mutants with Deadpool, like to me, like you, like is, when you start your mutants venture, you have to be serious about whatever you're doing. Like, I, I like to me, like it would be very odd to to start your mutant venture with Deadpool unless he's not part of whatever MCU mutant thing you're creating. Or 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 otherwise, or am I wrong? Maybe you can, and it's not that big a deal. It just seems very weird to me. Um. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I think with regards to Deadpool, um, I, and I feel like with Deadpool, because a lot of what he says and does is just is so nonsensical. Mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't mind it if they if they did introduce mutants um, uh, through him in a way. Though it's so if it's so. I feel like they can do that and get away with it because it'd be so farcical to the point where it's like, okay, yeah, you know, and and at this point it's like we kind of know mutants are coming because Feige said it, but you know, it's like okay, you know, and he and he'll do it in such a way that it's so goofy that it's just like okay, like whatever, you know. But uh, I mean, the, like last, how they... the last Deadpool movies have had X Men characters in them. Yeah, like. Are we not do like to me? How could you do that? Like, how could you? Like, I, mean, I, think, I think they're gonna riff on like all of that. I think I think Ryan Reynolds. I don't think he's gonna shy away from any of that stuff. Um, I think that's gonna be a joke. Yeah, it's gonna told. be a running joke in the movie. That's gonna be a running joke. I, I, you know, I feel like they, I feel like they have to. It might be all new actors around him. Like, exactly. You know, who are you people? <laughs> like, like it, like they can make, and people won't care because it's Deadpool. Exactly. Like, you know, he's almost in an alternate universe in his own right. <laughs> Um, I, I hope they can. I hope they can do it. it I just think that would be. I, I, would, I just I, thought it was wild to see that he has that coming out before Black Panther and Ant Man, which have already been announced. And have directors and I mean, yeah, Deadpool, Deadpool in theory could have a director, but we don't. We don't know. They've they've been so close to the vest on the mutant stuff. And the last thing on this, does anyone have a guess as to when we will hear anything about what the Fantastic Four X Men will be doing? Like when we will hear that. When we will hear that, I kind of felt we would have heard it already by now, officially or like in the underground, like yeah, you know, a, a, a real, a real true source reporting. Whether it's Umberto, whether it's Boris Kit, 
Um, shout out to those men and whoever else, you know, who I'm forgetting who are in that game, the scoop game. Right. Those guys coming out with, you will be seeing this characters in this movie or this yeah. X-Men Disney movie or this movie is happening here or in development here. When do we hear that? I thought we would have heard it by now. We have not heard anything. I think I think this we're is the first. This is the closest we're getting to this with this rumors that not this year. Not yeah, I don't year. think it's gonna happen this year. I think we're gonna get that next year. In terms of official announcement, I'll probably say not before twenty twenty one. But I think we're gonna get, you know, uh, reporting that you know uh, we're hearing that this movie is gonna come out such and such time, or that this director is gonna be working with these characters, or something along those lines, like a legit reporting. Uh, I think we're gonna start hearing that stuff next year. I think after Black Widow. Okay. Like maybe yeah. like around like because once Black Widow comes out, we'll have a better idea of where the MCU is going. Yeah, at that point and, the floodgates are open. Yeah, then the floodgates know. open. Whatever happens in Black Widow, whether it's a secret invasion thing or something's gonna happen, that's gonna set up Phase Four. And yeah, the show at that point the shows are coming out. Loki will probably be out. Yeah, know. then they can really. Then they don't have to like smart. The floodgates will open. The 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 curtain will have you know been opened. Like they don't have to hide anything. You know. Do you guys think that whatever the plan is for mm-hmm. the the you know those characters or an X Men or a Fantastic Four? Well, you think though that it is done already? Like, do you think they know yeah. exactly what they're doing with Fantastic Four and X Men by now? Yeah, yeah, I think Feige. Yeah, I, I think, think for a while. Yeah, I think they. I agree. I think they've had. I think they've had. You know, and Feige's he's been coy about it before, but I think he's had that on his whiteboard for a long time, hmm. with regards to what he wants to do with those characters. So I think he knows. Like, I, there are specifics. You know, actors. You know, like the the Magneto Professor X. Like, you know, are they going to be? people of color, like, that, those types of things, those are still probably being ironed out, but, like, he knows how the MC, the, the mutants are in the MCU, or how they'll be introduced, and he knows, you know, what the story will be with the Fantastic Four, or what era they're going to be in, like, all that kind of stuff has already been probably hashed out. It's just when they want to drop it. Because, and I wouldn't have said that if he didn't name drop them at Comic-Con. Like, I think he's known since then everything mm-hmm. you know like because he wouldn't do that stuff because again we talked me and Shamar, we talked about this on imperial last night and just just the flimsiness of lucasfilm and star wars with some of the stuff they announced and then just never happens but like marvel does not announce stuff that never happens like that's never done that is inhuman and yeah. it turned out to be it turned into a tv show and it was their biggest failure uh, as marvel studios as a company but um like so him saying the words Fantastic Four and Mutants already put it into the stratosphere uh, that those are going to happen and then that he knows what's what's going to happen with them. Let's now head over to uh, to DC. So uh, a, a massive, ah. massive drop here with what we saw from the Hollywood Reporter, who, again, was just on fire this week. I feel like I'm re- mentioning them every <laughs> report we have there. But uh, you, you get your resume ready, man. <laughs> No, look, I'm look, I'm only loyal to the new generation media uh, network, or new generation podcast network, and new generation media as it NGM till I die. Anyway, uh, no, but the the Green Lantern 
will be coming to HBO Max as a television series to be produced and developed by none other than Greg Berlanti. So this is not... What's that, number 20 for, for Greg Berlanti? 21 <laughs> total TV shows. 21. He's earning, the, he's earning the, the, those $500 million. We're going to talk about 22 after this, I'd imagine, right? Apparently that's a record to have 21. I don't know who's keeping count. Yeah, I know, right? Like, but, whose record did he break? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, is Guinness World Record? Is there, is there a basketball reference or a, a Hollywood reference dot com? Yeah, to, Hollywood reference. <laughs> to figure out who, you know, everybody's stats and how many movies they produce and what numbers they've done because I don't know where that that came from. But this would be apparently a record uh, to have this many uh, series across seven different platforms. Um, and of course, as uh, you guys mentioned, he has that. Uh, $400 million deal uh, that he had with Warner Brothers, which is still, every time I see that number, that's just crazy. Uh, so, I'm, I don't know how to feel about this. And I don't want, I want to add, he's also doing the uh, Strange Adventures uh, anthology as well. So, more DC comment there. So, there's a lot here, because one, you got our first real, I would say this is the first really big massive drop from the HBO Max streaming service in regards to well then I think the next day they might have did the Game of Thrones or it might have been after I'm not sure but um in the superhero realm this is the first definitely the first major drop we have from them because we didn't know what the relationship was going to be between HBO Max and DC Universe with Warner Brothers wondering if DC Universe even had a shelf life with this HBO Max coming out we already heard they was reporting uh, I think earlier this week uh, that Doom Patrol may be on both HBO Max and DC Universe going forward. But yeah. um, it, it got announced. That was official. Yeah, it was announced. Yeah, that was announced. Yep. So, yeah. so that's that's new gonna... HBO Max show. Because I because I looked at the the you know Shamari had sent us what's going to be in HBO Max, and I was looking at the 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 roster. Yeah, the they had it listed under like there are like old shows, and then there are new shows, and that was listed under like HBO Max original series Doom Patrol. And I'm like. It's not technically. It's not. It's not an original series. They're, they're considering it as if like it's their series. So, first of all, if Duke Patrol gets an HBO budget, it's a wrap. Mm, interesting. Something to consider. It's a wrap. This that that show is phenomenal. And if they get an HBO type budget moving forward, then it's ball game in terms of what what might. Well, Watchmen is giving everybody this one for his money right now. But I'm telling you, Duke Patrol been coming for people's heads. If they have a, a, a budget like HBO, but staying on the Green Lantern thing, I don't know if Green Lantern's a kind of property that should be on television. I just feel I, I have grave doubts that this is something that could be accurately and fairly portrayed with a TV style budget. Now I know HBO has different money, but I would argue of all the major DC characters, this is like one of the last ones I would think that should be on television because the money you have to spend on cgi the money you have to spend to make the space stuff happen and and you know i mean this is a this is a cgi character i mean like what he does with his rings <laughs> and stuff, I mean, you, just, you can't avoid it now obviously the last movie went completely overboard making his whole his whole damn costume and his mass cgi like we didn't need all that but i mean he he is a cgi character there's zero question about that there's zero doubt about that you can't debate that so 
are you going to be doing what Disney's doing with putting a movie style budget into a TV show for however many episodes, six episodes, let's say? This is give you the, the minimum in terms of what's been like these mini series for the most part. Uh, I don't know if that's a great idea, to be honest. I, I don't know if that's money well spent for Warner Brothers because that, that's me, that's going to rack up a lot of money. And. I just think there's something. I think I always felt Green Lantern made more sense as a movie. So I heard this. I was, I was intrigued, but then a little concerned. And I gotta admit, I'm a little concerned about Berlanti doing it because I, Titans has made a turn for the better for sure, and Doom Patrol is fantastic. Uh, I liked, um, and, and we all liked Swamp Thing. The CW stuff has been. It's been kind of hit or miss recently. You know, I like Black Lightning. I thought Supergirl's last season was really good. Um, I think Flash has really struggled for two seasons. I think Arrow uh, was okay last year. They had a really strong season two seasons ago. But that's, that's kind of my point here is that, like, like, that's a big, big ask and a big responsibility to someone whose record on Heroes has been lucrative and, and absolutely successful considering all the shows he's done and the amount of viewers he's brought to CW and what he's established. But man, if you're gonna do Green Lantern, I just wanna know I just want guarantee I just want a guarantee feel that this thing's gonna be a grand slam. I cannot feel that way about Berlanti and anything he does because I just I've seen him be hit or miss. So I have excitement but I'm just automatically gonna have concern because I just I know that his record is a little checkered right now. Yeah, yeah, I feel you I feel you there, EJ. Um I mean, I feel the same way, though there is a, kind of a sense of se- a funny sense of security as well. Because I feel like with Berlanti, it's like, like you know it's hit or miss, but at the same time, you kind of know what you're getting in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it, I like I feel a little security in that. Like, I know it's not some no name that I don't know. It's not a Scott Buck that I don't know. You know, where it's just like, I don't, who is this? You know, what have they done? And, you know, I've never seen that. How are they going to do with this show? And then it bombs, you know. Like, I don't expect this to bomb. I'll, I'll put that out there right now. With Berlanti behind it, I don't think this is going to bomb, like, at all. But doesn't um, that not but, argue the other way, though, Sham? Wouldn't that take a little bit of the mm-hmm. intrigue away, though? Like, to me, like, I almost think of it the opposite. Like, because okay. I kind of know what to expect, it kind of kind of makes me kind of roll my eyes a little bit. Because it's like, okay, you know, if it's, if it's anything like the CW dramas that we have, it's like, oh, man, do I really need to see that for Green Lantern? only reason I won't say that, and I, not to cut off Shamari, I'll let him finish, but, like, I would say that if we didn't have Titans, which is massively different than Supergirl, you know what I mean? It's fair. Like, Doom Patrol is massively different than The Flash. So, this being on HBO Max could have a different feel than even Titans uh, has, and than even... Batwoman has. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Like, I, I haven't seen Berlanti get an HBO budget, so that should be fun. Um, so he gets to kind of play with that, with that, those resources. And I think that, um, uh, I don't know, I do have the same concerns with regards to the CGI, because you're right. <laughs> you know, you're right with regards to that, because it's like, yo, Green Lantern, you know, I don't want, like, a, I don't want a, uh, you know, a kind of a, a poor man's Green Lantern, where he's Green Lantern for a couple minutes in the episode, um, <laughs> you know, or he's like, 
has kind of the Smallville Supergirl kind of like effects where it's okay. He does something for a few seconds and then the rest of it, he's just kind of standing there in his suit, like trying to look cool. And it's like, ah, come on, you know, so hopefully we get like a real legit Green Lantern. Um, I'm torn between what you said, EJ, where it's like a six episode thing and it's just a lim- very limited series kind of thing. Um, and just wanting them to do something like the flash where it's just like, give me just as many seasons of green lantern as you, as, as I could possibly absorb. Um, because I mean, look, man, green, a green lantern show. I like the idea personally. Uh, I, I, I would say I, I'm, I'm not against green lantern being a movie character. I do think he needs a movie, movie budget, um, in particular, but in terms of getting continuous green lantern stories, I think that could be awesome. Uh, especially for someone that likes sci-fi or someone that likes, um, space adventures as well and fantasy even um so i i think it could be really cool i think i feel like there's a, a high ceiling there with what, what can be done with a steady green lantern show that's going on for a while so i think that could be a massive success kendall does, does it give you any concern that berlanti uh wrote the screenplay for the terrible green lantern movie that we got eight or nine years ago along with guggenheim <laughs> And it is not, does that also make it kind of odd that they, they would go to him still? Because there were a lot of issues with direction yeah, I mean, and acting, but the screenplay was the beginning of the issues with that movie. Right, right. Uh, I don't know. That was so long ago. You know, Berlanti seems to have improved. Um you know, they gave him Arrow and they gave him Flash and, they, you know, he's he's ran with it and he's done well for himself. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I, again, like you said, that movie had his issues, but um, I part of me wants to, like, feel like he's grown and that, you know, why not give him another shot at this? If, if, you making, if you're making him the $500 million man, then, like... It would it would be a slap in the face to say yeah, we, but we can't let you do Green Lantern because of what happened with the movie. It would just be a bad look. I mean, I can see why you would feel that way. Um, but he's had too many successes, and that Doom Patrol is like as many as many of the issues that I have with Berlanti and some of the the product the products he's come out with. Um, like you know, I think the Flash as great as the flash was the first two seasons she was incredible since then it has sputtered it's been you know it's, you know it's been a nascar driver that you know has been uh been been tailed and you know been trading paint and is now you know driving out of control <laughs> but um you know I, I feel like as bad as some of those some of the shows and some of the seasons he's had have been i still look back to you know doom patrol season one and you know, Titan season two has been incredible, and the f- first two seasons of The Flash and Arrow has had some incredible seasons. Like, as you know, the high points. You know, I love Riverdale, obviously. Like, that, Greg Berlanti has has done enough good with his storytelling for me to to. I like I when I hear Greg Berlanti's attached to something, like it's not a negative. It's, it's mostly a positive. Um, I do agree that yeah, it does take away a little bit of the the intrigue because you feel like you know what to expect now. But I thought that with Titans and Titans is nothing really like you know Flash. So like 
also Titan, I don't Titan know. Titan is how. not much like Doom Patrol. It's on the same streaming platform. Right, it's on the same streaming platform. You know, like so I really don't know what to expect with it's Greg Berlanti, but it could just be Greg Berlanti name only. You know, like it may be more about what the showrunner showrunner wants to do and what the what the studio wants to do, but um I I mean I think this is I think this is positive. Um, what's what's funny is that um, I'll, I'll get to this more actually. I'll, I'll get to this more when we talk about uh, our next show. But um, this for me, this is uh, I had had this scoop uh, a couple weeks ago. But um, what I will say about <laughs> what I will say about Green Lantern though is that uh, I think that uh, I think Green Lantern. One, are we going to get John Diggle as Green Lantern? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But two, uh, it's interesting because he's a character that obviously there's a lot of different Green Lanterns that that they could pick from. Um, I'm assuming this isn't going to be Hal Jordan or Jon Stewart. Uh, How does this affect the movie? If that's even a thing, if that's ever been a thing, I don't know. But... Will we will we ever see a Green Lantern movie at this point? Um, is it like the Flash? I mean, they did the Flash. So I don't. I mean, they did the Flash, and they they were going to do a Flash movie. They could do the Green Lantern, do a movie. I don't think anybody will care, especially since there's so many Green Lanterns to pick from. But no, I mean, I think this is I think this is good news. Um, yeah. I'm excited. Uh, and the Green Lantern animated series was good. That's true. So like that was proof that like yeah you can you can do the character by himself in you know television format and tell some different stories. So I think yeah, doing it. A... Yeah, go ahead, Sam. Uh, I was just gonna say doing a show uh, could even be good for the movie because maybe people aren't thinking about Green Lantern, maybe they don't really care about Green Lantern. If the show's done well, it could actually be good PR for the movie. That is true. And when I say that, I thought the show the the episode the, excuse me the character was better suited for the movies, it hinges, it hinges purely on the CGI and the budgeting. I, I do agree. The idea that you could take a character like him, and Hal, or whether it's any of them, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner, Guy Gardner, um, um, Baz, uh, all the Green Lanterns we've seen, Jessica Cruz, like, the idea that you're going from intergalactic adventure to intergalactic adventure, you know, new planet here, new planet there. I mean, that that's that's made for television. Like that could be awesome. It's just like Star Trek and so many of the other, you know, Battlestar Galactic. Like th- those shows do extremely well. But those shows also are they were they were done within reason, uh, and they were able to be successful because the budgeting wasn't necessarily they didn't necessarily need to be that high. I don't know if you can do Green Lantern on a Battlestar Galactica budget. Like I don't I don't think it's possible to me. Um, so to me, I it just I just thought it made more sense just make it a movie because you'll have the budget to do whatever you need to do to make Green Lantern look cool, and it's just it is a lot. Like the, the if you ever read a Green Lantern comic book, man, the art and the and the and and what goes into showing the intergalactic space that he explores, it's not uh it's not a small feat. So they're gonna bring out the TV and it's and it looks good. I'm all for it. I just have some doubts. Um, uh, one of our, I think this is one of our last, so we have a couple more left, but we do want to t- touch quickly on this, Kendall, to the next uh, show that we'll be seeing, which will also, I think, be in the Berlanti field of, of play here. 
It's going to be a new uh, Superman show. So, Superman and Lois will be coming to the CW. Uh, Pilot's been ordered. They're working on the show. And this will be featuring uh, Tyler Hoechlin, who we've seen as Superman in Supergirl and Arrow crossovers. And Elizabeth Elizabeth Tulek, who's been playing Lois Lane. She played Lois Lane last year in the crossover. She will be reprising the role as Lois Lane in this uh, year's crossover. She will be uh, in the show as well. So, um, we've heard rumors that they were working towards this. There definitely seemed to be fan sentiment into bringing a superhero, Superman show to television. Uh, I think this is the right move. I, I, I like it. Now, Wes, what's interesting is I feel like I read somewhere that this isn't a Supergirl spinoff, which I don't know how that's even possible. Or why, or why that would be the case if it's on the same network? I mean, I think that I feel like. Well, I agree with you. Yeah, it's just it's very weird. And you guys have seen but, that too, right? I'm not making that up, right? I I haven't seen that, but I, to be fair, I haven't really read too much of the stories regarding this. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. Uh, but just in ter- just in general, um, I I agree with you. Though I, I also understand their desire to do that because i feel like supergirl has done so much with this the characters and the villains i mean she's fought metallo she's fought uh uh likes luthor at this point even you know i mean uh she's she's kind of gone through the rogues gallery parasite she's gone through his rogues gallery uh to a pretty large extent my quick Google search, by the way, has said that every search I say say it's a spinoff. So I don't know what I read that said it wasn't, but I thought I swore something that I could swore something saying that it wasn't a spinoff. But maybe I, I could be totally wrong because it wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just in terms of continuity with what they've done, it wouldn't make any sense because they because they, they're supposed to be cousins in the same universe. So that'd be very odd. But, um, but yeah. So I mean, now we know that's not a thing. But just in general, I mean, I feel like. You know, they've done a lot of Superman characters and villains even in his show. Uh, so we know we're probably not going to get a Jimmy Olsen because we already have a Jimmy Olsen. Um, you know, so there's certain things that are just going to be different, um, which is OK, uh, but it should be interesting. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, there are some. Well, no, they did. They did do Toy Man, right? Because Toy Man was Wynn's uh, yeah. father or uncle or something. Yeah. So they did. They did a lot of. I mean, isn't Wynn supposed to be? Really in, isn't Wynn supposed to be in this season of Supergirl? Is he? Yeah, he's supposed to be coming back. I think. I'm, oh, wait, I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for it. I'm like, I kind of forgot about it until you mentioned it. Um, but yeah. So, I don't know. They've really gone through his Rose Gallery. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they're gonna even do with him, because they've gone through a lot of his Rose Gallery already, and I hope it's not just a bunch of, you know, Fort Rise escapees and. You know, whatever freaks, freaks of nature, phantom zone escapees, or whatever you want to call. It. So, um, so yeah, I'm interested in seeing what they do. Um, so look, I I, I read something. I this is only like more of a headline than it was even like, um, like me reading the actual story. I think, but I read something about how this is going to be about, um, like. This story, this show is going to be about like what it's like to be, you know, working parents and in, in like 
in modern in like 2019 or whatever something like that i'm like well we know like, lois I, is pregnant in the last crossover right right exactly like they're like the kid is going to be in the in the in the show yeah jonathan um can i assume so like we'll see what like that dynamic will be how much like i don't know i i feel like this is going to be like if anybody's ever seen uh you know the lois and clark television show from the 90s hour-long television show um it's a good show you know i grew up i grew up you know it, it would it used to come on the hub and i would watch it and it's a, it's a good show uh it's not like it's not super high intensity you know it's it's definitely not a sitcom but it's also not you know you're, you're, like you're, you're it's not, it's not the most, yeah yeah exactly not your most intense cape you know superhero show that you would expect so uh i expect this would be more like that than something like the flash or arrow but uh it should be good but what's what's interesting ej and i don't know if you'll remember this but i actually went to you uh two weeks ago it was around two weeks ago i think um with a scoop that i had gotten from reddit and it was this guy who claimed to have a source that he had a list of television series that were going to be coming out from DC. And he said these were going to come on the CW, HBO Max, and DC Universe. Now, for HBO Max, he had The Question, Green Lantern, uh, at the time, he said Adam Strange and Lobo. Uh, he has since corrected himself and said it is not Adam Strange. It is Strange Adventure, Adventures, which he got wrong, apparently. Uh, and then for the CW, he put the Tyler Hopkins Superman show along with uh, Metal Men. And then for DC Universe, he had uh, a Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle show, series, Red Hood, a Red Hood Titan spinoff, Superboy Titan spinoff, and Hawk and Dove are all are all in the works. So he also had Lobo was supposed to be coming out for HBO Max. I mean, it's... at the time uh, we were like, "This is ludicrous." And I believe he also said something about a Martian Manhunter show, which David uh, Harrowwood, the, the actor, came out and said that's that that's not gonna happen. <laughs> but um, I if, look the Tyler Hawkins Superman thing. Anybody could have guessed that, but it's very specific to say that we're getting HBO Max Green Lantern series. That's that. a that's a pull that no one had. No one was talking about that. Not on the no record. one was talking about a Green Lantern series. Yeah, not let on the alone for HBO Max for sure. So, I mean, this, this, and the, again, the Adam Strange thing is very specific, and he got it wrong. But <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not gonna. He was in and out. You know, and, and it ended up being strange adventure. So perhaps he 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 got a word or something. Could have got something, something word that it was misconstrued or whatever. So who knows? He interpreted whatever his scoop was. Yeah, and we're saying he it could be a she. I guess typically it was Reddit, right. so it could be anonymous. So they could have got just the right wrong wording on it. So even the wording on that is interesting because we are getting that strange adventures on uh, on HBO Go, on oh, HBO Max. I'm sorry. Um, look, man. Warner Brothers is at war. And I think that perhaps 
we underestimated how much they realized it or that they were interested in being in the war because I mean, we've seen that Marvel Studios is just going to ramp up their content in a way that we haven't seen before. And it seemed like DC just kind of was doing their own thing. Like they weren't really paying attention. They were fine with what they were establishing. But now that you're hearing Superman's going to be on cable, uh, you know, Green Lantern's going to be on a streaming service. We know other stuff's going to be coming on DC Universe. It, may, it, would, it, would, it wouldn't be surprising. It would make sense that they would ramp up their content on uh, to match what Marvel is doing if they do indeed see themselves as competitors. I know Marvel doesn't necessarily, at least they say they don't see themselves as competitors with DC. And when you're the one that's, you know, kicking the other teams behind, you can say you're not competitors. Uh, and that they, they, they root for DC because they think that it helps them. At this point, I'm sure it does. Now, if it became a true battle of, of equal, even competition, I'm sure they feel a lot differently in terms of saying whether or not they uh, celebrate when DC does well. You know, right now, I think they are the little brother to them, which is crazy because in any other time period, DC's always been the big brother, but movies have changed everything. He said that um, a red that Red Hood series is 10,000% going to happen, just not right now. I um, mean, that seems... That seems likely, but the only issue is just, like, Curran is so young right now. Like, the Red Hood's a grown man. Like, how do you... Where, where does... Where, how do you get to that point? Like, he doesn't have to be a grown man. I think he, I think he does. I, don't know I, think, he does. I think he does, too. I think he should be... He should, at the very least, be, like, clearly a young adult. Right, I mean, you, he has to be in the future, but, like... Because remember, Kendall, the, the Red Hood has to have the ability to completely under completely take over Gotham's criminal underground. I can't imagine the, the Jason Todd we've been introduced to being capable of doing that, mostly because of his age. Like, like that's how you introduce him: is him taking right. over the the Gotham criminal underground and and shaping it in his own image. You can't do that with with where Curran is in his life right now. I don't think. Now, if you re, if you recast, you say, well, he's gonna go and he's gonna die, and then he's going to the pit, and he's gonna look different. Well, now you lose the act. Like to me, he'd be the reason why you want to do a Red Hood show because he's just so awesome at the role. Or is this something that's coming out five years from now when he's older and he looks more mature? Like it is. Is he going to die for a couple of years and we're not going to see him and then he's going to come back? Like, there's a, there's a lot of question marks on how you pull that off. Yeah, I'm surprised if you would say it's 10,000% going to happen because that would imply that it's going to happen pretty soon. Yeah, that, that to me tells me it's happening next year or two years from now. He just said, he just said it's not going to happen right now. So, but like, how do you, like, yeah, how, how are you so sure? How do you control that? Like, you can't control what's going to happen. Like, what if. Titan doesn't I mean, go I, well, yeah. you know, season three or whatever. Like, there's a lot of factors that. Like he said, for Superboy, he said it's an idea they have right now. Uh, and he said Hawk and Dove was supposed to happen back in season one, but it didn't, and it's still on the table. But I can see, I can see the Hawk and 10, Dove thing. I mean, they wrote the Hawk and Dove episodes to be back, backdoor pilots. Like you could just tell how they were written. Right. For whatever reason, they didn't move forward. Perhaps it was because. Warner Brothers was very uh, uncertain about where they were going with the DC Universe app moving forward. They could have put everything on hold. 
Um, interesting stuff happening over at DC. The last story happening over at DC is we officially have a Commissioner Gordon. Uh, Jeffrey Wright will play James Gordon in The Batman being uh, directed by Matt Reeves. So this is, a, this is an official thing. Matt Reeves confirmed that it is indeed Jeffrey Wright behind the role. And we, we spoke about this a little bit a couple weeks ago when he when he talked about uh, when we, they were mentioning him as the lead candidate. And now we officially do have Commissioner Gordon. Shamari, uh, I'm not sure how familiar you've gotten or you are with uh, Wright's work. From what I understand, I don't think any of us are that familiar. But are you uh, are you nonetheless uh, intrigued by the by the casting? Uh, I am indeed intrigued. Um, he has been in. He has uh, done a lot of um, very intriguing roles and very. Uh, he's clearly a very talented actor. Um, and I, uh, I think he's going to give it his all in this performance. I mean, this is definitely the performance of a lifetime. Um, I mean, uh, uh, you know, we've talked about the whole issue, the whole, um, situation with him being black. I mean, there's nothing Jim would specific with Jim Gordon that would necessitate that he be a white man. So, um, I think it's going to be an interesting take and, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be good. I mean, you can tell he's kind of he's an older guy, so he's going to be an older, more kind of grizzled uh, veteran in the police force, um, which is Jim Gordon's character. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm just stoked. I'm excited, um, and I'm glad that he got the role. I mean, I know he's very talented, and um, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him play the role. What do you say, Kendall? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah I guess we, uh, we just gotta wait and see. You know, not uh, not in any of the shows I watch or any of the movies I watch, but uh, you know, I mean, if if other people that have seen Westworld and things of that nature are, are speak highly of Jeffrey Wright, then I don't see why not. I don't see why this why this isn't a thing. But no, I mean, this isn't uh, you know, I don't have much much to chop it up about with uh with Jeffrey Wright as a casting. Um, you know, they they definitely seem to be uh, uh, what's the word? Um, pushing you know diversity in this cast. So interesting, interesting play here. You know, they, I mean, you know, we saw in '89 when they had Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent. So um, they've been they've been unique in the past, but uh, with him plus their Zoe Kravitz. Catwoman, they're they're not uh they're not they're not afraid of the the race bending, uh with these characters so, um it should, it should be interesting though you know uh, it should be interesting uh we this isn't gonna really affect I wouldn't imagine Barbara Gordon because Robert Pattinson's so young I can't imagine like we're gonna be getting Batgirl anytime soon so, um well but I couldn't help I couldn't help but think about Wright's age and wonder okay where is what is Barbara's age here? Wright is 53. So, I mean, he could have a kid that's college age. I mean, I, I think that Barbara Gordon, I'm not saying she's going to be on the cusp of being back row, but I, I think that they will cast someone as Barbara Gordon who they have the vision of them eventually being back row if it comes to that. But what makes this all very weird is we, we aren't we still supposed to be getting a back girl movie? I know that 
Joss Whedon basically quit because um, he couldn't come up with a story was was the story he gave us. Um, like, how does that play into this? Like, is does right mean that the Batgirl we get in a solo movie is going to be black? Or does she have to be black? Because remember, Batgirl was also adopted by a lot, and a lot of takes on the Marvel Gordon character. So it's... It does lead me to a lot. I couldn't help not to minimize James Gordon. James Gordon is obviously an iconic character in the Batman lore. But I couldn't help but see who they cast as right. We know they have a younger Batman. But to me, they got a casting of Gordon in the um, in the age range I would have assumed for a James Gordon. I, I thought maybe they'd go younger because I Pattinson was younger. But 53 is right around your age where you could be having your college-age kid, uh, you know, in college, and that to me means that Barbara Gordon could be maybe two or three years away from being Batgirl. So it's, and I think it was an important thing I did take note of. But I do now want to move to the uh, movie recap we have this week. So we should begin, and of course, obviously, spoilers, alerts on all of these. So we'll start with the Watchmen episode we had this past weekend. Watchmen continues to impress on, on a level that is becoming. Um, no longer surprising, as Shamari and Kendall have said throughout this episode. I mean, it's just it's just the gift that keeps on giving. It's not surprising at all. Um, this show continues to be a slow burn, but I think the characters and the world that it is created is so interesting and it's so important to kind of like closely follow that I don't mind that it's a slow burn. This episode, we got finally got introduced to uh, to Silk the Spectre, or as we know her, Agent Blake, Laurie Blake, um, the fir- the second true member of the Minutemen to be introduced in this world of the Watchmen, and we see how she was introduced. Sham, what did you make of the debut of uh, Laurie, who was played by Gene Smart? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. Um, Gene Smart did an amazing job uh, playing this character. There's so many Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, I could go on forever, but I'm not. Gonna, I'm not, not going to take up too much time. I love how she, the whole episode, she's telling a joke to uh, Doctor Manhattan over the phone, which is very comedian-like mm-hmm. of her. Um, she's got this whole cynical attitude throughout the episode, which is also very comedian-like. I mean, of course, she adopted his last name and and going at, uh, under his last name of Blake. So it's, Why do it's, you think she did that? It's very curious. Um, I mean, I do not know. She seems to be acting. She's much more cynical uh, than she was in the in the novel, in in the movie. You know, she's much more cynical in this in this uh, in her old age, I guess. You know, um, you know, I feel like she's kind of acting um, a lot more like him. So, I mean, I don't know. But, I mean, that definitely remains to be seen. Uh, she definitely has no love for heroes, so, I mean, it makes you wonder. Though both her parents were heroes, technically. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought this episode was wonderful. I mean, the, the Easter eggs with, uh, with um, the Minutemen and the Watchmen and, you know, her having a poster of the Watchmen in her room, uh, was, which is wild. And it's like, man, this show, they're just dropping Easter eggs everywhere. Um, I mean, the, the whole thing with uh, Veet and Doctor Manhattan. I mean, I, I mean, there's a there's a theory. I'm just gonna bring this theory up now. Uh, there's a theory going around on the internet that that Ozymandias is 
on Mars, or he's trapped in some kind of space mm. by Doctor Manhattan. Um, you know that this game master is you know either another clone or somebody that's being controlled by Doctor Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan is the one that's trapped in there. He's stuck in some kind of loop, clearly, and um, you know he's trying to get out. And what he, all these experiments and things he's doing with these clones is, uh, you know, his attempt to try to escape, you know, because that, that clone, he put that clone in some kind of crazy suit. And I see, you know, he's frozen. I'm like, well, what was he in the vacuum of space? Did he try to escape the whatever bubble he's in? I don't know what he's in. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and we saw the kind of Dr. Manhattan fiddling with some kind of structure out in Mars. Yes, he did. On that and it looked, it looked kind of like a castle to me. It looked like the castle. Yeah, you know, it kind of looked like a castle. So I don't know what is going on, what, but I think I think they these theories I think they may be on to something, you know. Um, so this is definitely uh, this the intrigue with this show is on just a whole other level. So again, I'm just totally floored by this last episode, and I can't wait to see where they go next. Now, Kendall, it is important to know. Uh, I don't want to before we continue on Shamari's theory about what the hell is going on with Vite. It is important to know also with Laurie that, she, according to the writer, she did take on the name The Comedian uh, after the events of the book in their take on this Watchmen world. So we see her telling the joke. Um, perhaps that lends itself to what who she last was when she was, in fact, you know, still a vigilante. What did you make of Laurie's introduction? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought this was an interesting. Uh, I, I I I thought this was an interesting take on on the Silk Spectre character. You know, I, I think she she like Shamari said was a very cynical cynical version. Um, you know, different different personality than what we we maybe were accustomed to, but um, it definitely I think we'll get more backstory on that character and what and where her head's at and what events have kind of led her to to where she's at now um i think we know a lot of the events already but you know hear it from her perspective um you know i the 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 storyline with with vite is something that's very bizarre and you know i i i can imagine that you know, Shamari's theory that's going out there about him being on Mars. That that seems to be one that makes sense when you consider again the uh how bizarre the, that that storyline has been and how he's in that loop consistently and you know, he's got these clones and it's just just so much so much weird stuff going on that like it's not out of the realm of possibility, um, and that this—what's the guy's name? The Mr. Phillips? No, 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 not Mr. Phillips. Uh, it's not coming to me now. The the the, the guy on the horse. What guy on the horse? Right. Uh, uh, game warden. Oh yeah, uh, the game, the game, yeah, the game warden or the game master. Oh right, right, the game warden. Yeah, yeah the yes. game warden. Yeah, he um he Manhattan for all we know. You know, or some figment of 
of Manhattan's creation. You know, I don't know. But um, there's that storyline, and, you know, I thought I think the, the guy who's playing the senator, I think, is doing a good job, the Oklahoma senator. Mm. Uh, you know, what his deal is, we'll see. Um, uh, so who, like, he mentioned pardon, you know, pardoning somebody. Who does she want to get pardoned? I assume it's so that's, Owlman. That's, yeah, that's Night Owl. Yeah, he wants Night, so Night Owl. <laughs> yeah, he makes the illusion that, like, you know. Yeah, pretty much. That, you know, the owl's in the cage For or whatever what? he said. For vigilantism. Vigilantism. Interesting, interesting. Which I believe is confirmed in the materials that were put out by the writers before the show came out. Okay. That eventually, both, both of them were arrested for vigilantism. I guess Laurie would like to do, just work for the government, and I guess I guess he, he did not. Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, the, the, the Ozymandias got the Manhattan Theory makes sense. It sounds about right. Because it just, like, everything is so weird and bizarre with everything happening with him, and it's just hard to figure out what is going on. And it would make some sense that perhaps Dr. Manhattan did find some humanity and in what uh, Vite did and felt like there had to be some kind of justice. And we do know that he kind of, for the lack of a better term, goes by the beat of his own drum. Perhaps he would feel like he'd be the only one who could deliver the justice necessary for someone who created that kind of catastrophe. Um, I, I got to say, I, I, I did really enjoy the Laurie Blade character that we got. I think it was very interesting to see her grappling with the idea that she hates, she thinks she hates vigilantes. I don't think she actually does, but she's convinced herself that she hates vigilantes because I guess of how her life has turned out, uh, whether it be the people in her life, how lonely she's become, um, but yet how much she's unwilling to really let it go. Um she can scoff at the vigilante life, but she keeps an owl in her house, clearly as a nod to her former friend, lover, whatever you want to call whatever with her night hour. You can look at the idea that she has the um, picture, uh, the like the um, Andy Warhol style picture of herself and the team together in her home, and she's even. Thinking that she can talk to Doctor Manhattan through those crazy vaults, I mean, you know, you know those vaults or whatever you want to call them. Um, now she's delivering these dark comedic, comedic uh, messages to him to, to display perhaps her dismay with him and everyone she's been involved with for where her life has turned. But even her going there shows a level of connection still. And then clearly at the very end, obviously with the Doctor Manhattan sex toy, she is not. Um, at all let go of that life so i think her going to tulsa mm-hmm. a place where there aren't necessarily vigilantes but as she put it what's the real difference if cops are acting like vigilantes <laughs> um i think that's gonna be tugging at her as she has to now work closely with someone like um like angela and figuring out how to solve the conspiracy while also seeing this obvious nod to her past life right in her face a a, a, a part of her life that she 
does not really enjoy that she's in fact tried to to wipe out. That's been her entire life's work since she's went with the FBI. It's a very interesting dichotomy. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's extremely interesting. Um, I very much looking. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what her arc is like in this show. I feel like she's gonna. I feel like she's gonna be almost like the comedian of the show, basically. Mm. Not in the sense that she's gonna die or anything, but this is just that she's gonna kind of piece all this together um, very quickly, possibly before everybody else does. Um, and uh, and yeah, if, if she just... shows her detective skills. Oh in yeah, that, in that scene with her and Angela in the in the crypt. Oh yeah, and and really throughout the whole episode. I mean, she's putting together yeah. and piecing together what she you know takes apart uh you know looking glass like it, it kind of was intriguing because you while we do see these kind of watchmen like deputies you know it did kind of separate the men from the boys for oh, the only lack of a better term like like oh you guys are a little cute you know red scare and the other girl like but this is a professional like not only is she a professional in terms of like obviously being a federal agent but also like a professional when it comes to this vigilante game. So like I think she kind of scoffs also at these like amateurs, which she kind of mentions the other guy that she that when they do the sting at the bank. Like I think she looks at these people like like the people I was with, we were legends. We like we I might not no longer agree with what we did, but we weren't clowns like these people. So I think seeing the way she kind of flexed her muscles around everybody did kind of establish who she was, which I thought was also cool. And it was also cool that uh, Sister Knight was a different animal. Like, no, you know, like, yep. she was able to kind of piece apart everybody else. But when she tried to do the same tactics with, uh, with Angela, it was not, she was not intimidated. She was not afraid. And that kind of took her aback. Like, it was really good writing, really good acting. It did separate, you know, the, the, the you know, the, the, the grown-ups, so to speak, and the kids. You know, Sister Knight is not one of the little kids that uh, Lori can just, bully around and I think that's going to be the fact that they're going to have to work with each other and they don't necessarily like each other is going to be um, something that's going to be uh, an important part of this entire show I gotta say man I watched you know before I watched this episode I watched all three because of my girlfriend well, I gotta give a shout out to my girlfriend Andrea who finished the uh, New York Marathon this past weekend so I gotta give her a quick round of applause there but uh, we watched she was sitting there iced up because of running a marathon so we watched the first Three episodes. I watched watch the first two again. This is one hundred percent one of those shows where you absolutely, truly appreciate it more when you watch everything again. Like going back and watching That's the first two you, episodes. Yeah, I, I know, and I didn't deny. It. I'm just always busy. But today was a weird day where, because I was with her, and after having run a mile, run twenty six miles, and it was just a chill, do nothing day for both of us. Having those hours to sit there and watch this show. I mean, there's so many little things you pick up on that I I just I didn't even the first time. Um, there's so many of the the that that American hero story show like the first yep. episode. There's so many ads for it. There's so many like 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 throughout the whole episode. There's like all these different like billboards and ads for that exact show that if you're just not paying attention, you wouldn't pay attention to. Um, it, it's it's just it's it's. It's a great show, man. I mean, I think that right now it's I can't think of anything that that's doing anything better at the moment. Obviously, we have other shows coming out. We have still have Doom Patrol coming out. We you know, we still have other content, but this this show is 
to me, almost like a must-watch. Absolutely. The, one of the theories also going out there is that the guy that the guy that's the game warden is he might be uh, Mr. Phillips or a clone of Mr. One of the clones of Mr. Phillips. Yeah. The actor seems to look like the guy under the mask. Why would and he be Mr. Phillips? Like was a clone gone wrong? More or less, something along those lines. And the other, also another theory of involving Vite. There's a lot of these theories, but. Um, is that uh, we're watching like we're, what we're watching with Vite isn't in real time? That those might be flashbacks because like and each flashback that we're seeing is a different is a different year because each candle each cake has an extra candle to yes, it. Yes, it does. So mm. the, the theory is maybe this is, is it, it, we're watching like consecutive years go by and. It may lead up until we get to real time. Maybe he escapes or something, or we'll see what happens. But um, we could be watching well, Flash. It, that could make sense only because we see we see in like the second episode, like Vite dead, or the first episode, maybe I'm not sure. Yeah. The first. So yeah, so it says Vite confirmed dead, and yet we see him alive. Now we just assume okay, he's rich, and maybe he's somehow faking his death. Yeah. Or, or even if we're going with the Doctor Manhattan theory, like okay, he's alive, but he's just nowhere to where they could ever confirm he was dead. But that would be weird that they would confirm that he was dead if they didn't have a body or anything. So, I think that theory does kind of pique my interest because why would you say he was dead if he wasn't actually dead? And he never seems to reference anything that's happening in the episode or in the show, like any, anything happening with the outside world. He doesn't. He doesn't have any say in or anything. He doesn't like not yet at least. So, and think about what we know. He's removed, but like the fact that he's this removed does kind of maybe wonder, make me wonder if he's even this is even in the current time. Yeah, and and remember what we see Manhattan doing when we see him that one time on Mars. I know. Yeah, he's destroying the he destroys the castle. castle. Yeah, he's destroying the castle. So he's destroying Vite. Is that him destroying Vice Castle? I don't know. But then the question is, how did you confirm he's dead? Well, I guess you can confirm it if Dr. Manhattan says, hey, I have this guy. Because they have a satellite to see whatever Manhattan's doing. Yeah, they can communicate with him. Yeah, and they can communicate with him. So, it's... <laughs> but also, what why happened in this episode? What was that? Why would Manhattan even care? That seems out of character at this point. Why would he care about Vite? Or just yeah, or like, humanity in general. Yeah, exactly. He abandoned them. He mm. seemed like too detached from everything to even care. I don't know. I, don't know I mean we'll see we'll see what Lindelof does with this story, but he he's 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 creating a lot of different layers to these characters. Yeah, he is. I mean it's uh and is there anything that we'll get? In, is there anything more that they will get involved in Rorschach? I mean, we assume he's dead. We we know he's dead. I would think, but like, I don't. I, I, is there I, another to drop with his character? I don't know. I mean, you would think that there has to be because, like, literally, his face is like so thrown in our our face yeah. of this show. He's front and center, so. But 
part of me almost kind of enjoys that like his impact is what he left behind. Like I kind of yeah. think that like I almost like he is in this show because of what he inspired. You know, it's is is obviously is a completely perverted version of whatever he was trying to get across, but. His impact alone is is all that's needed to even spark this entire show. This show doesn't happen without Rorschach's influence in terms of this world. I don't. Yeah. This is this is a show you could literally talk about for like an hour. Like you could do a Watchmen hour podcast. Literally, yeah. There's several. Like we do the Throne Tales podcast. It could be we could do a Watchmen podcast. It's that. I was gonna say I'm about to listen to some of these podcasts tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Like there's an they have an official HBO Watchmen podcast with Lindelof on it. I'm about to listen to that joint tonight. Yeah, I want to listen to that. I want to listen to it as well. But yeah, I thought I thought this was a spectacular episode. Um, how many episodes do they have overall of this show? Nine, uh, eight, I believe, or is eight or nine? Yeah, I do. I think they're they're right at the point where they do have to like pick up the pace a little bit, maybe. Or you guys think I'm wrong on that? I have I no idea where the story's going. From that. So. <laughs> oh yeah, this not. Once it gets to like episode five, you know, it's like all right, enough with the games, enough with the the hints, you know. Enough yeah, I say the like, clown. <laughs> I say like episode six, even. Um, yeah, because Watchmen, Watchmen has always kind of been a slow burn in terms of getting answers. That's true. Um, so. Uh, you know, I think we're still. I think uh, all the episodes are going to be entertaining, but I think we're we're going to find out what's going on uh, much later on in, in the season. And speaking of true, uh, we should be getting uh, Lady True in the next episode. It looks like. Yes. Yeah. We, we know that she bought Vite's company uh, on the news of his death. So, right. and she owns that big Spectre thing in the town. And I, I, you know, we we've seen a little bit of her from Comic Con. You guys who have watched the show have not, but she's an interesting character from the little we've seen. So, you know, I think she was going to play a big role in whatever this, uh, you know, issue is in regards to this conspiracy. Um, I am interested in what Joe Keen's, uh, what his impact is on this. Because remember, Joe Keen, uh, his father was a senator in the comic books, and he was responsible for the anti-vigilante law in 1977. So this is his son mm. now running, and he he was responsible for the Protect Police Act, the well, Popa, whatever they call it, um, right. which was the act that allowed them to wear masks in Oklahoma. I feel like he's going to be a villain. I uh, just. And I like his character too, so I don't, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. But yeah, you know, I feel like he's gonna he's gonna have a heel turn at some point. I believe so too. I would I, I believe so, but this show is so unpredictable to me that it's either I, a heel turn or he's gonna end up dead. But I I, I would assume a heel turn. I don't know. It's I mean they kind of are setting him up for the heel turn because even though I mean Robert Redford has been president for all these years and there's a lot of obviously concerning things about that I mean for what it's worth I mean it seems like Robert Redford has done some decent things like you know paying back you know the reparations to the people of Tulsa like and it seems like the cavalry are are a, a 
a, a, a rebuttal against not just really the Democrats, but also the Republicans like Keene, who are working to protect the police, who they think are, you know, pro-black, for lack of a better term. I, I do wonder, you know, okay, well, if Keene does get in power, what we see the quote-unquote good he's for in terms of protecting police, but what is he against, I guess? And that's, I guess, where perhaps the heel turn could come. But again, it's hard to say. Um, it would be interesting at some point Robert Redford did make an actual cameo. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, he is an actor; like he he can do it. Yeah, sure, he can do it. He's not. I don't think he would because it's so like it's so bizarre. You know, like he would have to really understand like what the story about. <laughs> Once you use somebody's name like that, like, do you think he had to sign off on this? He had to, right? I don't. I mean, I don't think you have to. Right? <laughs> He's not in it. I mean, yeah, but like they're using his name and likeness. I mean, he, probably he probably had to sign off on the first one. Because this, I mean, they they just using him. I mean, it's it's it's. I don't. Know. I just think I think it's interesting. I want to thank Kendall for joining us for the majority of the show and joining us on the Watchmen recap. Uh, we and Shmire will finish the show here and we'll talk about Supergirl. Uh, so this episode was Dangerous Liaisons that we've seen. And we, we kind of haven't done Supergirl in a while, so there's been a bunch of stuff that's happened. Um, we're firmly introduced to his brother, obviously, who uh, Malefic, who we learned was uh, wiped out of the mind of his own father by John, which was a, kind of a really cardinal sin when it comes to uh, well, Martians. Um, we've seen Lena's kind of overall game plan and trying to, uh, you know, use Malefic now to forward her tech, which she believes is going to do real, real good. And I think that we're starting to really see her move towards being the Luthor because I know Lex does this kind of stuff where he thinks he's doing good and he's also doing very evil things to get there. And um, and we've seen this kind of Andrea Rojas conspiracy kind of play out. And uh, this episode seemed to move us away from that conspiracy theory a little bit with how they um, introduced the idea that the guy that she believed, uh, that the, the reporter, who I can't remember his name, so forgive me, uh, believed had uh, his friend killed is actually the assassin that's going out there killing people and doing the bidding for a shadow organization that we now know to be uh, uh, Leviathan, who also Leviathan. Leviathan, yeah, who seemed to surprise uh, Rojas when she walked into her limo at the end of the episode. Though she didn't seem like completely shocked at who the hell are you. She seemed to know who they were, but also seemed terrified, which seems to be the theme that everyone that comes across these folks have. So, uh, a lot's been happening, Sham. What has been your take on Supergirl so far? Um, uh, Supergirl's been okay so far. I haven't really loved the season so far. Um, I mean, I, I'm glad we're getting some, something with the Leviathan. Um, I was kind of worried that it was going to take a while and that, and that, and that we weren't going to find out anything about them. Yeah, they were moving until slow like, that. yeah, until like halfway or even most of the way into the season. And that we were just going to spend most of the season just on, you know, um, uh, John's brother. But um, that's not the case, so I'm very happy about that. Um, you know, I mean, we had a lot. We had a, a lot of not a lot, but we had a, a few freak of the week kind of weirdo villains. Um, you know, we had that fake, 
you know, a poor man's Doc Ock guy who ended up being the homeboy's uh, friend. Yeah, he was definitely um, a fake Doc Ock. That's the best way to describe yeah, it. it yeah, it's just, just a fake Doc Ock. I mean, there's no, there's no other way to describe him. That's what he was. You know, they didn't put much effort into designing the suit or the abilities. That's what he was. He, like, Doc um, Ock meets RoboCop. Like, it was a, ter- it was a truly yeah, terrible was, costume. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> My God, I mean, geez, a horrible. That was a Red Tornado-esque costume. I mean, that was just the worst of the worst in terms of the CW. But, um, you, know, uh, you know, I'm glad that didn't last long at the very least. But um, I mean, I think the highlights have been the, the, uh, I mean, some of the stuff with with uh, uh, John's brother has been good. Um, uh, I think that the, and I, honestly, I think the interpersonal stuff has been good. Mm. Um, the relationship stuff has been not terrible. Um, usually, I get tired of that stuff pretty fast, but I feel like this season has been pretty legit. It's been pretty decent. I thought Jimmy's send off was adequate. Um, so I thought that was good, and um, but yeah, I thought overall I think that so far this the season's been pretty slow in terms of developing the plot and you know this Rojas stuff is it's kind of just like it's like okay where is it where are we going you know and I'm glad we but I'm glad we got there you know it didn't take forever uh, but I mean so far the episodes have been okay you know some freak of the week stuff um, I'm still digging Supergirl's new suit very glad that she has a new suit her suit is and great. I'm still I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, I'm still just, I'm still just not the biggest fan of this evil Lena. You know, it's just, it's not doing it for me. I feel like it's, it's very random. Yeah, her motives are just, you know, very just not relatable. It's like it's, it's a extreme heel turn, WWE like. Yeah, you know, to the point where it's just like, what, why? You know, it's like, it doesn't really make sense. It just except she's a Luther, and it's like, but she's rejected being a Luther. Like right. the whole series, so mm-hmm. it's very odd. But um, overall, I think it's been okay. But I'm glad we finally know what's going on with this Leviathan thing, or, or we're starting to get some more details on that. So hopefully, that you know drives the season forward. I do agree that this this show desperately needed the Leviathan angle to start to rear its head because I think that they were kind of spinning their wheels a little bit with these last few episodes, kind of going down this uh, this Rojas theory. Um, you know, it, it just it just feels like there hasn't been much there with that character. That character has been so shallow that following some conspiracy behind her just doesn't seem that interesting at the moment. You know, if they've seen if she seemed to have all these big layers that made that made you know wanting to follow the rabbit hole interesting because like oh yeah she's weird hair and she's kind of cutthroat and we've seen her do some things that you know we don't like but that'd be different. But aside from maybe some empty threats at Lena. I haven't seen like that angle that would make me think, oh yeah, she's probably a murdering psychopath. I want to follow through to see if that is going to be confirmed. Like, I-, I think that's been a weak point for them to try to follow this. And, uh, you know, they kind of you know, gave William this new character, really. You know, we introduced, when we introduced him, he's someone totally different. And now we know that's a front. And now we don't even see that other guy. Like, they don't even show that other guy. It's just now he's just always in his other character. Um, so, you know, he's kind of added into the fold as a as a regular on the show. And there really isn't much depth to him yet either, to be honest. I, I, I don't find him that interesting. Uh, I think I would agree. I think the best stuff has probably been more of the interpersonal stuff. 
um, which is not bad, but I mean, this is a superhero show, and I think when the, the right. main superhero angle that you're trying to tell is not really compelling me with anything, that's not great. I mean, I just don't, I don't like, I like, where is this, where is this show going with Supergirl, and what is the story they're trying to tell in Kara's growth as a superhero? It seemed like they, like, like they seemed to be harping on the last episode that she was so upset that she couldn't in any way see that Rojas was evil, potentially, and some of the other stuff that happened, but I guess because none of the stuff that happened seemed obvious, it seemed weird that she would beat herself up for it. Like, yeah. Like, you know, I, that, like if it was obvious, it'd be like, oh, yeah, like you were dumb. But like, I was sitting there as a viewer and I'm like, I, I mean, I didn't see, we still know many of this stuff is true. So, <laughs> right. so how do we, so why would you beat yourself up for it? And in fact, again, as the episode goes on, she gets seen, she seems to get more evidence that it's not true. Now, by the end, we, the viewers, see she Roas has some ties to Leviathan, but it's it doesn't seem very uh, willing ties. That's the least of in the very short um, aspect that we've seen them. I, I guess I, I just want to see more about what exactly this this organization is. You know, I, to me, I think this is going to be their take on like you know the Court of Isles because they're kind of painting them as this like shadow organization that can kind of get anything done and. Across uh, anybody off the board, they need um, at the snap of a finger. They have a, a you know a deep roster of aliens and non-alien assassins that could just take people out, you know, at the fast snap of right. a finger, so to speak. How you know? I think they gotta do. They gotta have to do some work to kind of dig through that, you know, corruption and that weave. Like it, it was fun digging through the uh, the kind of web to connect. Uh, uh, the guy who's um, last season's villain, um, why can't I remember his name? The guy who's like the the conservative talk show guy. Oh, Agent Liberty. Yes, Agent Liberty, and connecting Lex Luthor like that was fun. Like that was like wow, seeing how like Lex put the pieces in play for Agent Liberty, who was a formidable villain to begin with, um, who was a very good character to begin with, and how it connected to Lex was brilliant. I thought it was an excellent job by a superhero last year. They have yeah, not done the same with Rojas to Leviathan. Rojas isn't that interesting. And right now, Leviathan hasn't been that interesting because we just haven't seen all that much of them. Like, uh, Agent Liberty was in your face. And and then the obvious weird backing that he had from people and how he was being promoted suggested there was someone else behind it. And then figuring who that person was made it fun. And no and suspecting that was like Luthor, but I said on the show, I said I think this is like Luthor. Um that was exciting. There's not much exciting with what's happening because they haven't presented anything interesting with those characters. And that's bad because that's the main plot of the story right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not a good thing. I mean I think um by now, last season, we had already been introduced to Agent Liberty. Mm-hmm. Um by now, the season before then we had we know we knew about Rain. And we knew where they were, the word, you know, at least in what direction they wanted to go with that storyline. Right now, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. We got some kind of VR contacts. We got um, uh, John's brother. That seems like it's going to be very much a side plot. Um, I feel like that can't be the main plot because that's just not good enough. So, so, right. so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. So, I mean, they're taking the season much slower, but hopefully there's a payoff. Yeah, and sometimes, again, slow burns are good, and 
uh, and I think I, I well, the good news is I think the Leviathan uh, angle is going to start to really push itself more to the forefront as William, who now the reporter I remember his name, or I looked it up, <laughs> uh, as William and Carr start to really kind of try to unweave this uh, web of corruption, web of mass murder uh, or assassin rather. Uh, they're going to find a way to, to get themselves to where they need to be. So that's exciting. I think they're going in the right direction. I just think they're moving a little slow at the moment. But I think that's a good place to wrap the show, guys. So I want to thank you guys so much for listening in to this episode of New Generation Hero Talk. It was a big week of news, and we got to all of it. So I hope you guys enjoyed our commentary on it. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. You can find that on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, also catch us on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, New Generation Media, on Twitter at New Generation Pod, and on Instagram at New Generation Podcast. Uh, S with a plural at the end there. And uh, I'm on social media. You can find me on uh, at Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and Instagram, Action EJ. Shamari is on Snapchat and Instagram, MCSham22. Thank you guys again for listening. For, Ken- for, Sh- for Kendall, who was on the show. Uh, for Kendall, for Shamari, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week. Peace.